What strategies can we as physicians do to better manage our practices and stay cash positive during a recession? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Peter Lukash. Peter has over 30 years of experience in healthcare and has authored two books on medical practice management, including the Medical Practice Business Plan Workbook. He is a blogger for allbusiness.com, where he writes about the business management of medical practices. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, how do you define a recession, and are we in one, or are we heading towards one? Well, there is a technical definition which economists use in defining a recession, and we get into this debate now sometimes. Are we in a recession? Are we aren't? really doesn't matter. Bottom line is things have clearly taken a downturn. The credit crunch, which started for a variety of reasons, a lot of it having to do with subprime loans, is hitting all businesses and all consumers across the board. You put that together with worldwide competition, a war, oil, a whole bunch of things. Things are clearly going on a bit of a recessionary mode, whether we technically fit the definition or not. What happens psychologically to people in a recession? Do they just stop spending on luxury items and just use the bare basics, or do they even avoid going to the doctor? They sometimes may avoid going to the doctor. People will pull back. Some industries have seen some serious layoffs. Again, coming out of the credit crunch, the mortgage industry mm-hmm. saw a downturn layoffs of upwards of 20,000, 30,000 people right there. Mm-hmm. And that has a spin-out effect across the economy. So you'll see people really pulling back until they see how things are beginning to go. Historically, people do not shy away from health care, and health care does okay during a recession. At least that's the common wisdom I've heard, and I hope that to be true. I would hope that would be true also. However, there is experience which suggests not necessarily. One thing which happens is you've got a lot of folks out there and a lot of the audience for this show has never lived through a recession. So this is kind of a brand new experience in a lot of people's way. People will pull back. They'll start delaying going for care, Mm -hmm. start thinking, hmm, it's $60, $80 to go see a physician, $20, $25 out of pocket, we'll all think twice about it. They'll delay preventive services. Physician orders a drug. Physician orders a diagnostic screening test could cost them $100 out of pocket. And they start postponing these things, saying, well, you know, it's not urgent. You know, that colonoscopy I need because I'm a 50-year-old male, mm-hmm. well, it can wait a few months. So you can see how it would be nice to have a one-payer system and work on preventative health care so that uh, we don't have to yeah. worry about <laughs> worry about that colonoscopy that gets missed and turns out to be a cancer five years later and costs tens of thousands of dollars. I'm very much with you on that, but we can do a whole show on that another right. time. How long historically does it take a recession to turn around or to end? You know, it's a good question. I can't say for sure. I won't hold you to it. Drawing back, I can say it's going to be a year or two before we see things come out. My recollection from the 1991, I'll call it a recession, when the first Iraq war started Mm -hmm. in the invasion of Kuwait, everything sort of shut down in March of 1991 and lasted probably a good part of the year before things began to pick up again. It was quite a fascinating experience, unless you were in the middle of it, as I was and many others. What about 2001? What about that recession? I mean, I don't remember. I was in practice in 2001. I don't remember anything changing. That seemed to be more isolated. A lot of that had to do with the dot-com companies crashing out and really stock market hype. If you talk to a cab driver in New York City, I remember being in New York shortly afterwards, and they were saying, you know, the amount of traffic they had was really just markedly dropped off. People who had all this cash to spend and were spending it on uh, cab rides and things like that suddenly stopped spending Mm -hmm. because these people were laid off, the companies were gone, the money was gone. 
but a lot of the economy continued otherwise, and there were healthy dot-coms who did survive. So that was kind of a different scenario and more short-lived. If we look into healthcare, are there certain specialties that you think are going to get hit more that really do deal with the discretionary income? Plastic surgeons, but then as I even asked the question, I think the people that go for plastic surgery may tend to have more money and will still have that money. Yes, they probably will, but nevertheless, they may pull back or at least in the short term sign of hold back and delay and sit and watch and say, where are things going to go? Where's the stock market going to go? Where are their investment income going to go? I mean, even people who are making money in real estate, which has often been a big drive for the economy, that's taken a huge hit right now as far as new construction, sales and the like, office buildings. So this thing begins to ripple across. You'll probably see people hold back. In addition, those things you'll see not so much plastic surgery per se. I have a good friend of mine here in town, for instance, who's a dermatologist, Mm -hmm. does a lot of cosmetic work, if you will. And so he's hasn't felt the pinch yet, but he's still in a growth mode, so he probably will see less of that, although his growth may be somewhat delayed. You'll see dentists, perhaps. You'll see people stretching things out. Ophthalmologists, people may stretch out. Well, maybe they won't see my ophthalmologist every year. I might see him 14 months, 16 months out. You know, my eyes look okay, you know, having any problems. may even go two or three years. You may very well see these kinds of delays in going forward. Look, bottom line is healthcare is expensive. Even people who have good insurance pay upwards of 20 25% right. out of pocket. And that's increasing because of all these new high deductibles. We're talking about a lot of money here. This adds up very quickly. People do think twice about it. Look, I have a, a medical spending account, and we blew through it yeah. last year in November. And without anything really serious, I'm a family of four, mm-hmm. without anything really dramatic and serious going on, but stuff. Right. Stuff costs. Yes, it does. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Peter Lukash. Peter is a expert in medical practice management and blogs for allbusiness.com. We're talking today about what we can do as physicians to kind of stay ahead of the curve and prepare for this coming recession. Peter, all right, I've heard the expression that in chaos lies opportunity. So here we are in potentially a chaotic period. What should we do? Should we hunker down or should we actually do the opposite, be contrarians and invest and build our businesses for when this is over? I think this is an opportune time to push forward. As you said, this is an opportunity. Take it as an opportunity push forward, push forward for the future. We will come out of this cycle. It may take a year, it may take two years, maybe six months, maybe even three years, although that's unlikely. But you've got to build for the future. Just keep blasting through it the same way an offensive line will go through the defensive line in a good football game. So the kinds of things you do is you tighten up where you can personally and business-wise. And be cautious about what you do. Think about what you do, but push forward for that future. There's still going to be a future coming out, and while everybody else is hunkering down, you're moving through and investing in your business. Peter, where do we get that stuff called cash or money that we need to grow or build when our cash flow is decreasing and our uh, accounts receivables are increasing? Well, part of it may come out of personally, and in a recession, things are tight, and incomes go down for people who live or fundamentally self-employed. So, you know, prepare for that on a personal level. Secondly is get to your bank now, and I mean today. They already are seeing the effect of the credit crunch, so credit, as 
good as your credit may be, mm-hmm. it may be a little more difficult to get a line of credit doc- established. Doctors get lines of credit, like handing out candy. Generally, they do. Yeah, but not now. But little, you got to make tighter. sure. You may have to shop a little bit. You may be paying a little bit more interest rate than you normally would be. And I would negotiate. Shop around a little bit. But the thing is, as you point out, line up at the very least an unsecured line of credit, which I think any practice should have lined up. Fifty, hundred thousand dollars, sometimes twenty-five if you're a solo practitioner. This is money which you can tap immediately without asking a lot of questions if you need to, if you have a temporary crunch. The cost of maintaining that it should be inexpensive to nothing, depending upon the bank and the situation or the finance company you're dealing with. Some of the credit card companies offer good deals. This gives you the flexibility to just go in and do it. Banks, when they're lending, any lender likes something they can put their hands around. So if you're investing in an asset, piece of equipment, things like that, they can deal with that mm-hmm. and often will lend you money. Or you may want to choose to lease a piece of equipment as a different route to go about this but fundamentally, it preserves your cash flow. So those are the kind of the basics to get that in place right now. Peter, you've done this for a few years now, and you've looked at a lot of practices. What is an acceptable level of debt for a medical practice? Or should they have any? It's ideally none or something which is very, very manageable. Whatever you do when you're negotiating and working on taking on debt, the question is not so much how much you're going to be spending every month. The first question is what the interest rate is going to be. Mm -hmm. The second question is what are you going to get in return for what you're spending? So if you're going to spend $10,000 or $20,000 on a piece of equipment, a renovation to a room, your office, things like that, what is the payback going to be? What kind of additional business and revenue are going to generate as a result of that investment? Keep thinking, I invest, I spend, what am I going to get back in return? I keep thinking that you know now everybody and their brother is pushing every doctor to get an EMR, and it seems like the wrong time for a doctor to want to spend that money to invest in the EMR when times are getting tight. Well, the first place you would to call is your hot local hospital or two, because they've pretty much been freed up to be able to pay for the installation of EHR systems, EMR systems, and private medical practices. Get a hold of a counsel on this. I have blogged about this a couple of times. Legally, it's possible and pretty clean. The feds have given the blessing on it. There are a couple of questions more on a practice operation side. Do you have the flexibility to deal with other hospitals that you're not locked into a proprietary system Mm -hmm. where if you leave the hospital for whatever reason or they sell or what have you, that you're locked into something which isn't going to be maintained? But this could be a good opportunity to do it. Also, watch the pricing. Go to the trade shows, go to the professional society meetings, and spend some time in the trade show area. Go talk to people. You can learn a lot by talking to a whole lot of people. Yes, they have something to sell, but this is the kind of relationship with the salespeople, business development people, which should provide you with good information so you can go back and think about it. Long term, we're all going to be going to it. It's just a matter of when. If you haven't really been done the work yet, start the process now. Start really digging in and learning over it, learning about the systems, how they work, talk to other physicians, and see over the next six, eight, ten months, you know, get a real good feeling of what you're going to be doing, and then you can plan on perhaps for 2009. Peter, what about what I think a lot of doctors have hesitancy doing, advertising, marketing? Are those the same, or is there a differentiation between the two? Advertising is part of marketing. The classic definition of marketing has four components, what they call the four P's, the product, the price, the place, and promotion. Advertising is part of promotion. The best kind of 
marketing, practice development, if you will, building new patients and selling additional services is with your current patient base. Serve them well. Call them back for routine services. If they should be getting a screening test, such as a 50-year-old male needs a colonoscopy, well, you should know when people turn 50 Mm -hmm. who these people are. Send them a nice little letter. You know, it's time to come in to get a routine. This is a routine screening test. It's recommended by the federal government for years, and this is why. That's the kind of things which are clinically sound, as well as often they pay cash or largely paid out of pocket by the patient. So on the one hand, yes, it will set them back and they may think twice about it. On the other hand, clinically, you're doing a very good thing for people and you're on very sound clinical ground. Peter Lukash, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD. If you would like to comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, please visit us at our website, reachmd.com. And if you register with the promo code RADIO, we'll give you six months free of streaming ReachMD that you can listen to day or night on your home or office computer. Thank you for listening.